Greetings, Meltopians. If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For $2 a month, you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Meltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer and gain early access to episodes on the Meltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts, and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the ranks of the Melsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters, you can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L- T-O-P-I-A. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
world seemed to pause as Sal tumbled down the immense stairs, screaming. Wesley had never heard such a primal cry. The urge to run from the sound was overwhelming. Even during his own painful experiences, Wesley had kept his shouts deep and masculine. Sal's cries, however, held no such restraint. They embodied pure agony. When Sal landed at the bottom, close to the terrifying creature, he was on the edge of unconsciousness. But Wesley sensed it wouldn't end so mercifully for Sal. Just as the creature prepared to unleash another horrific scream, Riva stepped forward, chanting incantations. Vorex! Zinzan! Zuzamandantan! The creature's skin erupted with pus-filled boils and chunks of its flesh began to peel away, reminiscent of a snake shedding its skin. Its screams became more beastly. Riva shouted, Get him out of here! Now! Morin acted first, rushing to Sal's side. Wesley joined him, helping to carry Sal up the enormous steps. Moffat stood towards the top of the hill, washing them in undulating shadows from his lantern somehow keeping them veiled from prying eyes. He felt that disorientation again, the kind he experienced every time Moffat used his lantern. It was as if reality were merely a sheet over an obscured canvas. He need only grab and pull at it to reveal the truth beyond. He looked over at Vorn and saw that he was similarly adrift, his eyes possessing a heroin glaze. As the shadows frolicked about, he saw his own writhing and cavorting shadow upon the rocky mountainside. As it did, monstrous limbs and appendages began to tear from its black body, growing monstrous in size and fearsomeness. Then, something strange happened. The sky lost its color, becoming a wide, carnivorous void. Wesley wasn't sure whether it was real or just part of the lantern's effect, but he felt cosmically small, a speck of dust floating in the nebula of space. But it wasn't emptiness that was above him. The nothingness was living, its breaths the death throes of exploding stars, its gaze the bottomlessness of swirling black holes. Wesley wanted to scream, but his voice was frozen. He watched his hideous shadow tremble before the seemingly eternal and oppressive darkness. Then from the depths of the infinite dark, thousands of black suns appeared, their gloomy effulgence rising from their centers. For some reason, Wesley knew they conveyed the glance of something beyond scope, measure, or comprehension. He felt his mind stretching, like it was trying to occupy multiple dimensions in order to understand what it was looking at. A scream finally flew out of his mouth, one fed by ensuing madness. His mind was sundering, fracturing, different parts of it trying to flee in different directions. Somehow. He maintained his view on his transformed shadow, which now bowed beneath the horror that looked down upon it. Then, there came a voice that almost broke the world. A cosmic hurricane obliterating worlds and galaxies with a simple breath. Of all the gifts from my brethren, I see Hideon has bestowed me the most promising. Hesperius, the greatest of his creations. You will serve me well in the coming war. And make no mistake, my ferocious little friend, you are 
mind. Your every breath and action is but an extension of my will. All your victories and conquests, all your thoughts and aspirations, all your desires and hungers are the providence of your master. Do you understand this? Yes, master. <laughs> The thing's laughter was like the thunder of creation, the cacophony of the Big Bang, the sound of universes being born and destroyed, a cosmic cataclysm shifting the very tectonics of reality. Then, as quickly as it manifested, the vision faded. Wesley was still dizzy, but he managed to stumble behind a large outcropping of boulders, a symphony of destruction playing out somewhere below him. Wesley looked over to Vorin, who had managed to drag Sal's still limp body behind some large obsidian-like pillars. Once his vision cleared, Wesley saw Riva thrown against jagged rocks below. Not hesitating, Wesley aimed his assault rifle at the creature, firing a hail of bullets. Although they missed, the creature's attention shifted to him, giving Riva a much-needed reprieve. Riva's words resonated with the power of a dark deity, and the earth itself reacted violently to the creature's presence. Stone fists, sharp spikes, and obsidian hands burst from the ground to assail her. Boulders slammed into her face, dislodging teeth from her feral grin. Rock hands seized the writhing entity extending from her mouth, twisting it cruelly and eliciting a gut-wrenching scream. Granite spears shot up, skewering the creature from all sides. And just when it seemed she was defeated, she unleashed another scream, and Earth's assault melted into molten lava, cascading down her form. Though injured, she remained upright, the snake-like figure retreating into her maw. Then she spoke. Who are you, intruder? A relic of the Erethim, here to slay the offspring of the prince's daughter? Or are you a creation of the Belfines, another one of their abominations? Riva, with corrosive liquids dripping from his lips, remained silent. Perhaps once I've burned all the meat from those fragile bones of yours, it'll loosen that tongue of yours. A hint of a smirk appeared on Riva's face. But before he could retort, the scorched child had him by the throat. Fiery lines lit up her charred skin, and the hand around Riva's neck began to glow. While Riva's offensive capabilities were evident, his resilience remained a mystery. We need to go now, goddammit! Why risk it? He's bought us an escape, little Wesley. We should leave. Coward! You're afraid of exposing yourself, both to my friends and whatever that goddamn thing in my vision was. Hesperius responded with a venomous tone. Your friend can fucking melt for all I give a shit, if only to see you bleed like a child over his charred corpse. If you won't act, then I'll force you to. Don't you? Before Hesperius could object, Wesley dashed toward the fiery foe, believing that if she targeted him, Hesperius would have to emerge. 
Yet before he reached her, Vorn stealthily approached her from behind, shotgun in hand. In a swift motion, he pressed the gun to her temple and fired. The blast forced her back, releasing Riva. Vorn rapidly unloaded more shots, pushing her further back, but not subduing her. When he ran out of ammunition, he tried bludgeoning her with a weapon, but she effortlessly seized it, striking him with a force that echoed with the sickening sound of a fractured jaw. Vorn crumpled, unconscious. Interfering vermin! She lifted her leg, prepared to crush Vorn's head, but she had forgotten about Riva, who... Once again, let his words be heard. Seekless son, Abadanas, Arasadaratata! The monster's legs split suddenly, a bone piercing through her scorched skin. She bellowed, retreating a step. Beneath her skin, unsettling movements hinted at bones reshapen, reorienting. As her form contorted with the sound of bones cracking, she emitted a scream synonymous with agonizing pain. However, while her geometry was rapidly shifting, she vomited out that strange, tortured entity, who quickly darted up into the air and let out a hellish screech. This time, no one was spared. Wesley's skin suddenly felt like it had been set ablaze. A wick suddenly ignited. His mind tunneled through time, eons passed before his eyes like cars on a freeway. When finally he stopped, he was aflame and shrieking. But he wasn't alone. Around him were thousands, if not millions, of crying people, their forms covered in licking flames. His pain was incomparable. He could feel his flesh melting from his bones, dripping like the wax from a candle. He could feel his blood bubbling within his veins, his eyes exploding outward from the massing heat growing in his sockets. Then he felt to begin to relinquish, a force, Hesperius, pushing back against the psychic arson. Instead, Wesley felt himself return to the normal psychic space, floating amongst the blackness of his unconscious. Almost reflexively, Wesley felt his psyche, or was it Hesperius's, retaliate. He felt utter destruction issue forth from some hidden pocket of his mind, a place where the psychic remnants of ancient deaths lived, a cemetery of Epoch's old pain. Suddenly, he saw the spawn of Amara seize and drop to her knees, the shrieking hag slithering from her mouth suddenly going limp and shaking on the ground. Wesley could see Riva rising from the stone-strewn dirt, having taken the brunt of the creature's attack. This time, he did something unexpected. He walked up to the hag lying on the ground and lifted her up. Coming back to consciousness herself, she began to struggle, but Riva held her head firm and brought her face close to his. Then... He pried the thing's grotesque mouth open and put it to his. Whatever horrible curses Riva had uttered caused the serpentine thing to start convulsing, and then, suddenly, gave in on itself, its remnants pouring down in thick rivulets of some noxious yellow fluid. The effect seemed to ride up the length of the thing's body, causing it to infect the host's body her charred figure beginning to break inward as if a black hole had spawned within her chest. As her form began to collapse, Riva walked over to her crumbling form and placed his hands upon her head and stuck his thumbs through the screaming thing's eyes. When finally her body became too frail to resist, her skull exploded in Riva's hands. The rest of the demonic woman's form fell to the ground. 
Similarly, Riva fell to his knees. His mouth a stretched maw of sharp teeth and writhing forked tongues, blue flames issuing from his mouth like clouds of breath on a cold day. Vorn, having awoken shortly before, ran over to Riva and helped him to his feet. As the two rose to their full height, Wesley saw a sudden shift of shadows behind them. He tried to yell to them, but by the time his words left his mouth, it was too late. A large fist bashed Riva across the skull, throwing him sideways against a wall of jutting rock. Vorn instinctively turned, seeing the horror that Wesley had witnessed only a few moments earlier. Standing like specters of burning death were six more charred figures, the largest of them standing over Riva, who, to his credit, was still conscious. Vorn was still as a statue, frozen by the moment's terrible implications. The group of Amara's children loomed over him, their shadows like a ravenous darkness, consuming him whole. That's it! We have no fucking choice! We're going in! Gah, you fool! We'll be exposed! I don't care anymore! I won't let them die, goddammit! So you're either going to come out, or we're going to fucking die! Your choice! Wesley began down the stone steps, running towards Vorin, who was now at the mercy of the infernal children of the prince's daughter, Amara. However, before he could get all the way down, he felt the ground begin to shake. There was a voice behind the growing wind, as if it were coming from all around him. He looked down and saw loose pieces of stone slowly floating above the dirt. He wasn't the only one who noticed. The once encroaching creatures began to look at each other, confused by what was happening. Then, suddenly, they were all hurled backwards as if smashed by some Herculean force. Their bodies slammed against the rock face, causing portions of it to crumble atop them. Then Wesley saw Riva. His mouth was agape, a torrent of volatile fluids and energies spewing from it. His tongues were now whips of cobalt fire, writhing about like lashes of lightning. He was almost hovering above the ground, uttering one continuous curse. He turned briefly and spoke. All of you, get as far away from here as you can. Go! Vorin's protestations were lost in the gestating tempest, the wind starting to grow foul with the stench of brimstone. Wesley ran to Vorin, who was trying to make his way to Riva, and grabbed him. You have to leave, Vorin. These things, they're, they're gonna kill us. I'm not leaving him. Riva! God damn you! Riva! With supernatural strength, Wesley hurled Vorin backwards, out of danger. Wesley, however, was still intent on helping Riva. But when he tried to advance, he felt a horrible sickness overtake him, almost causing him to vomit. He tried to push through it, but as he did, he felt his insides begin to roil, as if they were on the brink of exploding. Can't you fucking resist this? Whatever he's doing will either make us useless in a fight, or straight out kill us. Get away from here, you fool! Wesley looked down and saw a red light begin to break through the ground, a hellish crimson covering up the mountainside. Wesley quickly stepped back across the Vermilion Line, the sickening feeling waning. It was as if a whole area of the mountainside was being sectioned off, corrupted somehow. Wesley did the only thing he could. He ran and grabbed Vorn and started trudging back up the mountain. The sky was now swirling, the thunderheads overhead forming a giant hungry vortex. Lightning bolts began to fork, striking the ground in explosions of white light. 
The affected earth began to crack open, giant stone hands and claws reaching for the now shrinking forms of Amara's children. He could see every manner of affliction begin to manifest on those charred figures, their bodies writhing, exploding, contorting, and screaming. Meanwhile, Riva was screaming his chants into the air as if commanding the wrath of the gods, his body being lifted into the sky upon gales of hot wind. Indeed, Wesley could have sworn he saw something in those clouds, a thing of unknowable scale and power. Wesley, Vorn, Moffat, and a now-conscious Salvatore ran up the giant steps embedded in the mountain as every calamity imaginable beset the section of the mountainside Riva had somehow singled out. As the area became more and more faint, they suddenly felt the earth give up one more mighty shake and watched as the portion of mountain under Riva's fury suddenly exploded and crumbled down the side of the mountain. River! Giant plumes of smoke ascended in the distance, rising into the sky like the breath of an atomic blast. Even where they were, they could still smell the stench of sulfur and foul things. The sky was bruised and still toiling, recovering from a still, simmering rage. The group stood silent, rain falling heavy upon them, mixing with the tears now flowing down their face. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com.